0: father uh, uh once again we do want to lift up the whole issue going on in Ukraine and uh, lord sometimes it just boggles our mind and and we look at things and and can't put it together and god i'm glad that you have a plan and lord that you're in charge and even when it even when it seems catastrophic we know you haven't given up your throne and so we pray for a resolution we pray that 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 uh, god thinks would get settled and people would be saved thank you for uh the calvaries that are impacting that area lord some who are are planted there and staying there and ministering just anoint them use them and and use other efforts going in god just again i pray that out of the ashes you would bring beauty and you would be glorified and as we look at your word tonight lord speak to our hearts Again, a topic that sometimes we, uh, for some of us, it's difficult. For some of us, it's it's uh, different. For some of us, it's it's news. So bless this time, God. Give us hearts that desire to follow you and desire, God, to walk with you and glorify you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Hey, as we uh, continue here, it's interesting. Peter has been speaking a while about just our, our obligation to one another, just as a family of God. And then he kind of broke it down into the area of, he talked about the whole area of submission that we all really like. And he talked to us about our responsibilities with government that we're to submit to the authorities there. He talked about our responsibilities as, as in the workplace that we submit to our employers and work there. Now he's gonna bring it directly into the family And talk about it so you know there's some that say where did Peter like this came out of left field but it's not he's been talking listen we have to have this attitude and I think it's hard especially for Americans it's hard for us to get the attitude of submission in America we think we have you know my rights and I and I and me and I and the Bible says listen we're supposed to be servants and we need to learn to give up some of our rights for Jesus. And so Peter's gonna hit us pretty hard with that, talking about that, and, and kind of bringing that to light. Now here's the thing interesting to me. This is just for us. If you've been coming on Thursday nights, this is the third time in a year that we've been studying wives and husbands. So here's, I'm thinking God is like trying to tell us something. I don't know, you know, we keep coming up, he keeps coming back and coming around. And uh, I, again, I think it's important that we need to realize something that the real issue is not knowing what to do, it's doing what we know. And so this is a challenge, I think, for all of us as we look at this scripture. Listen to what he says in verse one. He says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. And when they obey or when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. So listen, as, he, as he's getting into this, obviously he hits it right on. And right away he talks about the idea of submission. And, you know... The problem is, I think we kind of look at that and maybe define it from our cultural view and, and kind of go that direction, and that's a bad thing. He's not saying that men are elevated over women. He's not saying that women are under men. Bottom line, God, if you've noticed, God created an orderly universe. It's an order, And everything is in order, and God created order. And to have order, you have to have some things or some that are over things, and some that are are in that area of submission. It's just the way it is. It doesn't mean one is greater than and one is less than. I was talking before service with uh, 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 the group in there, and we were talking about, and, and specifically Eric and I were talking about my military time. And I brought it up before. It was not my favorite time in life. You know, it was just one of those things. And, and yet, here's what I understood. Even, even though I didn't like what I was doing, I understood there was an order. And I understood that the people over me, hate, they, hey, they weren't better than me. They weren't greater than me. They had a different position than I had. And they were over me. And I submitted to that, sort of. <laughs> Most of the time. But... We're supposed to do that. Listen, and and we need to understand that. So he's not saying, it always bothers me when people say, well, you know, I think this is archaic. And I don't think it, you know, we don't have to, we can ignore verse one, we can ignore verse two. And here's the thing, any time that this is brought up, whether we're in Peter, whether we're in Colossians, whether we're in Ephesians, whether we're in Timothy, every time it's brought up, it's not just an isolated thing about wives submitting to husbands it's a whole chain of things and oftentimes he brings up children submitting to their parents most of us agree with that right and most of us don't think it should be reversed and parents should submit to their children so we understand listen we understand that so don't get all uptight just take a breath chill out and receive what God has to say, and it's okay. So listen, again, as he says this, he's saying, he's saying, wives likewise, so what is a, just think about that, what is the likewise about? Well, he's just talked about Jesus submitting to the Father. And is Jesus less than the Father? No, I was gonna answer that in case somebody like yelled out the wrong answer. (laughs) Every once in a while you do a rhetorical question and somebody answers it and you're going, "Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, Jesus is not less than the Father. He's equal to the Father. But he willingly put himself under the Father in the position of being our Savior. So here's what he's saying. Likewise, like what we just talked about in verses 18 through 25, he says, likewise, wives, be submissive, listen to this, to your own husbands. I have heard it taught that all women are to submit to all men. That's not what he's saying. That's just bogus. That's some weird people getting into that. If people are teaching that, you need to get away from those teachers. He's saying wives do what? Submit to your own husbands, to the one you're married to, to to the one you've committed to. And listen, I don't think that's a bad thing. Again, it's not you're less than, it's not that you're his doormat, and if he's treating you that way, you probably need some counseling, and you need to come in and talk to some pastors and, and get involved in that. Having said that, I always like to bring up, because he's talking about submission, if there's abuse going on, physical, mental, sexual, you don't submit to that. That's crazy. And so we gotta be careful how we take these things. Again, it's not this carpet thing that here's what you do. He's talking about in ordinary relationships, and we might even say in good relationships, wives, Here's your responsibility and here's the way you need to look at it. And then he says this, listen, because I think this is important. He says, submit to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Man, listen, every time I read that, I, I think about how great it is when a wife lives that Godly life out in her marriage, and especially when it's an unbeliever. You know, I have sometimes, and you're gonna have to excuse me because I'm gonna get really kind of blunt. Sometimes I have spiritual mamas coming in here telling me what a flunky their husband is and how he needs to get it together. That's ugly. That's not right. Listen, and some ladies say, but man, He's an unbeliever, and you know me, I have that straight answer, you married him. Like I didn't marry him. And hey, you need to understand something. Peter here is saying something. Culturally for them, it was more difficult than it is culturally for us. For a woman to get saved in a, in a relationship, for her to get saved and her husband not saved, that was dangerous. And here's what Peter says. Live your life before the Lord and let him take care of your husband. Let him work on your husband. And then let's bring it into the 20, the 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 21st century here in America. Don't be a nag. Just don't do that. Don't always be coming home. You need to believe this. You need to believe that. Or don't watch some Christian show and turn it up as loud as you can so you make sure he hears it. And then you make sure he knows that you want him to hear it. Are you with me? Here's what he says. He says it real simple. He says, listen. He says, That even if some do not obey, and here's what he's talking about. He's talking not about somebody who's just an unbeliever. He's talking about somebody that has been vocal about their unbelief. Like, kind of like, you're not gonna make me believe. Whenever I read this, I think of my own life. My wife got saved before I got saved. And I kind of had that attitude. I kind of had this attitude. I don't care what you do. I am not gonna believe. I didn't, and, you know what, I didn't want to believe. Even before she got saved, I didn't want to believe. After she got saved, I didn't want to believe. I even talked to God sometimes. I didn't know I was talking to God. I thought I was talking to myself, and he eavesdropped, and I'm having this conversation, and I'm saying, I don't want to believe. I don't want to do this, and, and he's talking about that person who's rejecting everything. When Gaynel got saved, the only thing she ever said to me was, would you, like, quit cursing so much, And my godly response was, this is my home. I will do what I want in my home. That's ugly. But you know what? My wife didn't get mad at me. She didn't throw anything at me. She didn't stab me. She just started living a Christian life in front of me and that's what Peter's saying to do. I think I think it's important, you know. And I thank God that my wife did that. I thank God she was that example to me and lived that example because then that did eventually influence me and caused me listen and drew me in. So he says, "How do you not know that with that kind of conduct you you might win them over without a word?" Now, it's interesting. I didn't I didn't think this needed to be brought up, but Every, everybody I read brought this up. He's not talking about without the word of God, and I don't think that's implied here, but they said, you gotta, you know, it's not, and I'm thinking, well, I didn't think he was talking about the Bible. Listen, you can't get saved without God's word. That's obvious. So he's not talking about the word of God, but he is saying, listen, he's telling you, don't be somebody who you're always on on him and telling him, and then I love this, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. He's not talking about fear. Ah, He's talking about respect. When you're living in your home in such a way that there's respect going on, you're going to influence that. And then he goes a little bit further. It is interesting. I guess I should bring this up now. It is interesting in some people's minds that Peter spends six verses talking to women and only one verse talking to men. I don't have a comment for that. I just, it is an interesting observation, and it's interesting, the commentaries, how they would make excuses and stuff, and and I'm thinking, you know, you try and say any of those things, it just kind of falls short. So here's what I think. I think something was on his heart. He was observing his culture, and not that this doesn't apply across cultural uh, things, but he was observing what was going on and seeing things. Maybe even observing a church and seeing what was happening. And and so then, listen, as he brings that up, then he then he brings up another area of life, and he says, "Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging of the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel." So listen, man. Now he starts talking about he starts talking about don't be consumed with your outward appearance. Listen carefully. He doesn't say, don't worry about your outward appearance and don't do anything because there's some who take it that way. And he's not saying you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't do anything and Timothy talks about it and, you know, some people say, well, can women not braid their hair? Can they not wear jewelry? Can they not do, that's, that's not his point. His point is don't let that be the thing that defines you. I think it's okay. I've said it before and, and I got it from J. Vernon McGee And, you know, he talks about, hey, you know, should women wear makeup? And J. Vernon McGee says, if the barn needs painting, paint it. I'm just quoting what he says. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? So, don't throw stuff at me, right, J. Vernon McGee? You want me to do it in his accent? My friends, let me tell you. No, I'm sorry. But listen, he's not saying that because I think a husband is blessed when his wife wants to look nice. I think he's blessed by that. I think he's blessed when his, his wife wants to, you know, make herself look nice. But he says, don't let that merely be what you stand for. Don't let that be everything that you stand for. Don't get to the place, listen, I don't think, I don't think a lot of guys like their wives like trying to be, you know, more masculine. I think they want them to be feminine. And I know that doesn't go with our culture. I understand that, but it's a reality. It's where we're at, and it's truth in Scripture. So he says, listen, don't. And, 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 and according to my understanding, I didn't realize it until I studied it this time. According to my understanding, there was a big deal in that time about women and their hair. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. You know, they they surely didn't have beauty shops and, you know, places to go get your hair done. And they said it was huge. It was huge. They would purchase wigs from Germany and expensive wigs to do things with their hair and and do certain things. So, again, I think that was influencing what he says. But ultimately, it applies to all generations. He says, don't let your adornment be merely outward and then he says this after he talks about some specifics he says verse four rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of the Lord or in the sight of God yeah you see that goes back to verse one and two doesn't it don't just you know what you can put on all of the, all the stuff and, and et cetera and do all of that and you can still be ugly by the way you live, by your heart, by your attitude. So it's an important. He says, man, listen, let it be your heart. Let, let, let your inside come out let that be something that that your husband can see and i think that hidden person i love that and it's a beauty listen that beauty can't be corrupted here's what i've noticed well i shouldn't say that i don't know that i've noticed it well i've kind of seen it well not really but you know it's like (laughs) it's like sometimes you know you see these these glamour stars and then they take everything all all their makeup off they take all of, the, and all of the push and pulls and all of those things and they just look normal and you're going, wow. Like I don't think anybody wants to wake up to somebody that they didn't go to bed with. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, whoa, where did she come from? Type thing. So he says, listen, let it be on the inside. All of that stuff on the outside, it goes away. The inside doesn't. And I think we need to understand that. So, so again, once again, pushing that whole idea of let it be something that's not corruptible and have that, listen, gentle and quiet spirit. Oh. I don't care if you're male or female. Nobody likes somebody that's just being argumentative and, and, and uh, arrogant and rude and et cetera. So have that gentle, quiet spirit. There's nothing like that, Right? Even, hey, when you're, having, when you're having discussions with your spouse, you know what I mean by discussions? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it better when it's quiet and gentle? And you know, I think this, this can go back into verses one and two. Here's what I think is important, ladies, especially if you're married to an unbeliever. Why don't you start looking up to him and respecting him? And here's what I love to tell ladies why don't you start asking him Bible questions? Most of them would go, because he's dumb as a rock, that's why. You're not gonna ask him anything. Why don't you start asking him? And you know what? And, and if he says, he, he might say, I don't know, why don't you tell him to come and talk to us and maybe we can help him find some answers. You start doing those things. Listen, it starts changing. I'm a guy. I know that guys love to be respected and love to be by their spouse. Hey, what do you think of this? or tell me what this means, or how can, I, how can I really make this part of my life? And you start doing that, it's gonna change how he does that, that gentle and quiet spirit. Oh, now he gets into an area. Some of this I'm thinking, Peter, man, you are brave. Right, listen to what he says, verse five. For in this manner, the, in the former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves uh, being submissive to their own husbands. Now, I want to stop there for a minute because verse six is going to give you, we've got to walk through lightly. Think about the ladies you read in the Bible, the ones that become kind of your heroes. And think about the ones who are not so much a hero, aren't a great example. Every time I think of the bad example, you know, and, and I'm talking about that had some kind of influence, I think of Abigail, what a mess. And some of you go, I don't remember her. Check her out. She was very disrespectful to her husband. And then her and David got together and I don't think that was a good thing. And so, but when I think of godly women, one of my heroes, she's gonna be brought up next verse, Sarah. I, I read about Sarah and I think, what an incredible lady, right? How many of us would appreciate for our spouse to come home and say, hey honey, we're gonna move. Where are we going? Don't know. <laughs> How long is it gonna take? Don't know, because I don't know where we're going. That's a scary thought, isn't it? But here's what I know God told me to go. And yet here's you you don't read at least of Sarah kicking and screaming and having a fit. I don't know, maybe she did. But you don't read that. The only time I think where Abraham was a little bit wise in his relationship with Sarah is when he went to offer Isaac on the altar, and he just said, we're going for a little camping trip. Because you don't want to tell your wife, honey, I have to go offer our son on an altar. So I think that was wise, and and, uh, looking at that, but listen, he says, look at the women of old. And again, not that the not at some archaic belief. Look at how their lives went, how their relationships went, especially their marital relationship. Look at that and observe and Try to duplicate what they were doing. Then he says this. So he's talking about the women of the old. They were being submissive to their own husbands. Own is there again, not somebody else's husband, not every man, to their own husbands. And in verse 6, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, that part we like. Now listen, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any, ter- with any terror. That's a tough verse, right? I don't think Peter's saying we need to call our husbands or ladies need to call their husbands Lord. That's just bizarre. I know some men, Christian men, who requested that of their wives. I know one in particular that was in some ministry that we were part of and he made his wife call him Lord. That was just weird. Like, I want, I want a relationship with my wife. If I bring that up, I'm not going to have a really good relationship. <laughs> and he's not talking about that. But here's the thing we need to remember. When we're submitting, whether we're submitting to the authority of the government, whether we're submitting to our employers, whether we're submitting as wives to husbands, we're supposed to do it as unto the Lord. When we do it, we need to submit as though we're submitting to Jesus Christ. I think the major problem in the world today, at least our world in America, is we don't see enough of real submission to Jesus Christ. And that's not a great example for what he's talking about. I believe if we were people who were more genuinely submitted to Jesus Christ as the church, I think it would influence marriages to a greater degree. And so when he's bringing that up, he's not saying call him Lord as in, you know, Lord Jesus, but notice it is a small letter. But he says respect your husband. Just respect him. Now we get to the husband's part. Verse seven, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. Now I think this is important. I think we need to realize something. He's not telling you to share an address with your wife. When he says dwell with them, he's talking about you are invested in them. You're close. You spend time. I read something that kind of shocked me. I read that the average couple spends 37 minutes a week communicating with each other. That's scary. That's frightening. 37 minutes a week? Well, guess what? When you're doing that, you're not dwelling together. And husbands, it's your responsibility. You got to take ownership here because you're the one that's responsible. I know in my home, when we start failing in areas, it's my responsibility. I'm the one. I'm the one that's supposed to lead in those areas. I'm the one that's supposed to be that encouragement and be there and take care of And I'm the one who's called, biblically, to dwell with my wife. I've got to put the energy in. And then I know some guys go, but you're not married to her. Once again, I didn't marry her, you did. So you know what? It's your responsibility. And I think, listen, I think this is important for men to understand. We have a tremendous responsibility as the head of the home. Some people say it this way, the guy is the thermostat, and he sets the temperature in the home. The woman is the thermometer. And she lets you know what the temperature is. <laughs> kind of goes that way, right? Listen, so I think, I think it's important that we understand we have a responsibility, guys. And I think this dwelling is something that we completely miss in our culture because we're so busy. And, you know, here's a, here's a crazy thing. And maybe, maybe this is for me. We have all of these things to make our life easier, right? And they take up all of my time. For weeks, I've been trying to fix my stupid phone. I'm about to abandon Apple. I know, that's big, that's huge. It's almost like a divorce happening. It's like hurting my heart. And yet, I'll stop and spend time with that and ignore my wife. Why? It's important to think about, right? I'm called to dwell I'm called, and not only just to dwell, but dwell with understanding. Now, I know some people go, Come on, man, you cannot understand women. Doesn't matter how hard. He's not talking about that. He's talking about you're putting yourself into it. You're there. You're not just phoning it in, you're not just putting yourself in a position. You're there mentally. And you're taking, you know, you're, you're part of, the, a part of the, the, the living together. And then he says this, listen. He says, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. And I know some people get uptight with that. Now, listen, I don't think he's talking about weaker mentally or weaker uh, 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 spiritually. I do think there's an idea that she's weaker physically. Generally speaking, some women go, come here, bet me. I'll show you weak." But generally speaking, generally speaking, women are physically weaker than men. And they're kind of proving that with all the transgender stuff going on in athletic things. But it's a general, but I don't think he's so much focusing even on that Whenever I read this, I, I, I think about myself, I, and most of you know, I did pottery for, Gaynell, and I had a, a pottery business for 15 years in Bisbee, and, and we did it for a living, but before that, we did some stuff. And, and so, in pottery, I did what was called stoneware. Stoneware's kind of a clunky, kind of thicker stuff, and, and I kind of look at it this way, like, when you get a dog bowl, you want something with a big lip on it and stuff so you can knock it around and it's okay and it doesn't get chipped. That's kind of what, what I like into what I do. It's good, strong, sturdy stuff. Now, the Chinese, they did porcelain. And it was very, very thin. And even some of the porcelain, and I tried to work with porcelain and and, and it's difficult to work with. And because you've got to get it so thin. Some of the porcelain is so thin, you can put it up to the light and see through it. You're not going to put your dog's water in that. What are you going to do with that? You're going to put it up on a shelf, and you're going to protect it, and you're going to take care of it. Dog bowl, men. <laughs> porcelain vases, Women guys we're to protect them and that's a responsibility when he says weaker he's not just giving us something to measure with he's saying we need to understand something our responsibility is to dwell with them with understanding be there completely then also we are called to protect them and make sure they're okay, make sure they're taken care of, make sure they're provided for. And I know, listen, some people are going, not in the 20, you know, haven't you ever heard of the feminist movement? I get the whole idea of feminists, but it doesn't change. Listen, I still think you need to be that person. I think women crave that, and I think men, hey, that's our responsibility. And again, just like I, I think men crave the respect and crave to be asked things and, and stuff, I think women, crave that whole idea and i know listen i know some people some people have told me they'll open a door for a woman today and i can open my own door what's the matter with you and listen if a woman's doing that she's like off her rocker (laughs) there's nothing wrong listen all that is showing respect you don't do that because you don't think the person can open a door you're doing that because you respect them and you want to bring them honor. That's what he's talking about here. So, so again, now listen, here's what he says. He says, give an honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. So you give her honor, you protect her. And then he says this. He says, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Oh, do you understand he went from wives submit to your husbands. And he's talking about husbands dwelling. And now he put us all on equal footing. And he goes, listen, You're heirs together, joint heirs of the grace of of God, and you're working at this thing together. I love the idea that my wife and I are working together at our relationship with the Lord. We work with each other, we're heirs together, and we're gonna make it together. Hey, I need her, and I believe she needs me, and we need each other. Then I think, and then you get into, I have a ministry that God has given me, And you know what? My wife is there. My wife is supporting me. She's part of it. And I need my wife. We're in this thing together. It's not like, hey, you stand over there. I'll take care of everything. It's like, I need you. And we're part of it. So he lets us know in our relationship, listen, as, as we're heirs, and then he says this important part, guys, listen up. I think if you're not doing all of this and, you know, you don't understand that your are heirs together are the grace of life, he says what? That your prayer, prayers may not be hindered. My interpretation of this, if I'm not doing verse 7, then guess what? My prayers are going to be hindered. And here's what I believe is coming across. Listen, God has called us to do certain things. And in that, listen, he's called me as a husband to do certain things in the relationship. And if I'm not doing those things, then the Holy Spirit is spending time with me trying to get me together, right? And I know that's a big job. And like he's there, kind of hit me in the head and doing things, and he's busy doing that. And listen, in in some ways, my prayers don't come across. Why? Because he's so busy trying to fix me. Guys, let's do what we're supposed to do, and our prayers won't be hindered. I remember years ago, I was a new believer, and and we were in in a church, and... There was this guy who traveled through, we were in a kind of a denominational churches and they would have an evangelist come through and do things and, and then they would have this other guy. And this guy came and taught on prayer. Of all things, he was this like huge prayer warrior. Quote. And I'm a young believer and I'm heavily influenced by these people. And so we had a smaller group meeting with him and, because I'm stupid, I guess. I said, where's your wife? And he says, well, she doesn't come with me. And I go, huh, why not? (laughs) (laughs) And he said, because she doesn't agree with the ministry I'm doing, and she's angry. You know what I said? Have you read 1 Peter chapter (laughs) three? Just wondering if you've ever read that scripture. And he said, It's time for you to leave. Listen, guys, that hurts. It hurts when somebody tells us the truth, right? So he tells us, here's what's going on. So guys, that's what we're supposed to do. Now... Listen, I, I, I wrote down some questions for us to think about and I'm gonna try and get them up on the screen and I want you to think about these in your marriage and what's going on. So, so when we think about it, the first one we need to think about, number one, are we partners or competitors? You gotta get that settled, right? Because Peter's, Peter's asking that and I'm not gonna answer these for you. You need to answer them. I'm working out my own marriage. I don't need to work on yours right and then number two are we helping each other become more spiritual are you somebody that you're helping your spouse become more spiritual or are you hindering that again i think these are great questions to think about for all of us verse three are we depending on the externals or the eternals that's kind of what what he talked about there in verse three and the artificial or the real but you know what there's guys that can be just as artificial as ladies And so once again, what are we focusing on? And then number four, do we understand each other better? Do you understand your spouse better now than when you first got married? I think I do. And you know, I've shared, we've got like 51 years together and I still, I'm not dwelling with her with complete understanding because I'm still working on the understanding part, but I think I know her better. I know her a lot better. And you know what i found? As I know her better, I fall more in love with her. And that's what he's talking to us about. So listen again, and then here's here's uh, here's a few more. Number five: Are we sensitive to each other's feelings, ideas, or are we taking each other for granted? That's a huge one. That's super huge, guys. I think that's more guys than ladies. Guys, pay attention to that. Are you just are you just sharing an address? Are you just sharing kids? Are you sharing life? And are you listening to each other? Are you, are, you, are you part of that and sensitive? Number six, are we seeing God answer our prayers? Hmm. And again, I believe he always answers prayer. Often it's no. But then we say he didn't answer us, right? So don't, don't just go by when he says no that he didn't answer. And then number seven, are we enriched because of our marriage or are we robbing each other of God's blessing? Those are some pretty serious questions to think about in that relationship. And I think it's good to kind of get that list, go over it, and kind of think about that in our lives and what we're doing, and you know what? Whether we're in Peter, whether we're in Ephesians, whether we're in Colossians, whether we're in Timothy, it's all about taking care and responsibility in your relationship with each other. Now I know some of us are single here, and you're thinking this was a drag. <laughs> it's okay, it's not a drag. This can listen, you can't apply some of the intimacy things we talked about to every relationship, but you can apply this to most relationships. As a matter of fact, look at the next verse, look at what Peter does. He says, finally, so listen, finally. I think finally, he's not like going, finally. I think he's going, the last thing we want to talk about is we've been talking since verse 11 of chapter two, and we've been dealing with relationships, and we've been dealing with each other and and been talking about each other. Finally, let's wrap this thing up, whether you're husbands and wives, whether you're employee, employer, whether you're government or, or, or the person submitting to the government. Finally, all of you, underline that in your bible all of you not just some not just part of us all of us here's what he says all of us be of one mind oh he's going to give us five things here now listen be of one mind he's not talking about listen he's not talking about uniformity he's talking about unity there's a big difference we all don't have to think exactly the same I think I've told you before, one of Robert Furl's favorite quotes is, if we agree on everything, one of us isn't thinking. And then he always says this, and I know I am. So when he quotes that to me, I finish it before he can. He says, if we agree on everything, one of us isn't thinking. And I go, and Robert, I know I am. Right? So we need, to, we need to know that. Listen, he's not talking about, he's not talking about compromise. He's not ta- here's what he's talking about. He's talking about reality. And as brothers and sisters, we need to be unified in the direction we're going. We need to be unified over the essentials of the faith, over what we call the, the things that make us saved and, and the things, quote, that keep us saved. For instance, coming to the Lord's table. We need to be unified over that. We don't want to come to the table all all sideways and and messed up. We want to come, what, as the body of believers. So he says, listen, one mind, and then he says, then he says, uh, finally you have one mind, having compassion for one another. Oh, we could say it this way. Let's be a little bit sympathetic towards one another. Give each other some space. Nothing bothers me more than when we just like, Want to cut somebody off because they did something maybe we didn't agree with, or maybe even maybe even a sin. But all of a sudden, pfft, why don't we love them through it? Why don't we have some sympathy? Why don't we have some care for them? Do you hear? Do you hear the heart. This is Peter the fisherman, right? And then and then listen. He says he says uh, having compassion for one another, love as brothers. And here's the interesting thing. He, this isn't agape love. This is that. Philadelphia love that phileo love and he's telling us listen we need to have that care that family unity coming together we need to be people not only are we are we loving as brothers he says this he says then we need to be tender-hearted or we need to be those people who are compassionate so we need to be sympathetic but we also need to be compassionate and then he says the last part of this he says we need to be courteous or humble. So think about that in your relationship. Are you somebody that you, you have that, that harmony with other people? You're sympathetic. You can love them as a brother. You can be compassionate and humble. Or are you that person that you're just kind of a jerk for Jesus? Answer those questions again Think about your life. Peter didn't write this just to like fill up a page. He wrote it to challenge us and bring us to that place where where we're looking at it. And then, listen, he goes a little bit further. Not returning evil for evil. Oh. Oh. Are you one of those people? Do you like to get even? I remember I used to say this. I've shared it before. One of my favorite sayings, And I am Serbian, so you have to understand that part. One of my favorite sayings was this. Man, it takes a lot to make me mad. But when I get mad, it's forever. And I get even. That's ugly, isn't it? Isn't that horrible? That's your pastor. (laughs) Well, not really. That was was a guy before he got saved. That guy's gone, right? So listen, don't return stuff. If somebody says something to you, even if they're, listen, if they're like the most heathen person in the world and they say something nasty, don't worry about it. Why do we always have to have an answer? Because we're Americans, that's why. And listen, so he says, he says again, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Don't try and do that. But on the contrary, blessing. Have you ever just walked away blessing somebody? Now listen, don't be the jerk going, oh, I just bless you as they're cursing you. Don't do that. That's going to like escalate everything, right? Just go away praying for them. I think one of the greatest blessings we can do is pray for people. I remember years ago, there was some Jehovah's Witnesses at my door and, and, uh, We were having a discussion in the front yard and uh, uh, I was talking to him and then the one younger guy, I said, hey, you know what, what's your name? And he told me his name. I think it was Steve. And I said, you know what, Steve, I'm going to pray for you. And the older guy goes, you can't. And I go, I don't think you can tell me how to pray. I said, you know, right now, I'm going to pray right now. (laughs) Well, you can't. And I go, his name's Steve. I'm going to pray for Steve you can't do that and then they left rather rapidly and guess what I did I prayed for Steve and the old guy <laughs> pray for him listen we can do that it's one of the greatest blessings we can do right and we, we listen so he says he says do that con-, and he says but on the contrary blessing knowing that you are called to this hey saints what are you called to what are you called to? You're called to be a peacemaker. Do you know that? Blessed are the peacemakers. And he says, we're called to that. And he says that you may inherit blessing. I, wanna, I want blessing. You know, it's kind of funny to me. Some people go, you can't ask God for certain things. I ask God for everything. I ask God for really big things. I ask God for little things. I'm not afraid to ask God. Here's what I know. If I don't, if I don't need it, and he doesn't want me to have it, guess what, I'm not gonna get it. It's not like if I ask him, he goes, oh man, Pat asked, I have to give it to him. I didn't grow up in that kind of home, right? I asked my parents for things, if they didn't think it was appropriate, I didn't get it. My parents just say, oh, well, you've asked for it, I have to get it for you. So I ask God, and I ask God to bless me all the time. I wanna be blessed. And so, here's generally what he says, you wanna be blessed, read your Bible right, and read this part in Peter. Now, he goes a little bit further. Oh, you guys aren't listening fast enough. <laughs> he goes a little bit further. Listen, that you may inherit blessing. Now he's gonna quote Psalm 34. You know, in our declaration of, of uh, independence, it says that we can, uh, I had it in my head and I lost it. Life in the pursuit of happiness, Right? We're supposed to have this pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness? Happiness isn't what a lot of people think it is. A lot of people think happiness is getting enough material things or having enough beauty or whatever. That's not happiness. Listen to what the Bible says, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There, my brain kind of kicked in. So listen to what he says. He says in verse 10, here's here's what true happiness is. 4 quoting Psalm 34 and you can you can look at that write it down Psalm 34 he who would love life and see good days so you want to love life and see good days hallelujah huh most of us say yes. Let him refrain his tongue from e- evil and his lips from speaking deceit, and let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I don't think there's a lot of need for explanation there. I think that's pretty plain. And again, this is a Psalm of David. I think David kind of had experienced certain things and knew what he was writing about. So, hey, you want to you love life? Like, I think life is fun. I, I'm not somebody who, man, I'm just waiting to die. <laughs> or, man, I just hope Jesus comes right now. I hate this place. I think life is fun. And I think we should, in, I, listen, I think we're, if, if you're saved, you're going to heaven, right? We should enjoy the journey. Like it should be good now. We should enjoy life. So that's what he's talking about. But how do you really enjoy life? Then you enjoy life what? You, like you're somebody, you refrain your tongue from evil. You refrain your lips from speaking deceit. You turn away from bad things. You seek peace. And you understand that God is watching wherever you are. He's always watching. And check this out. That should bring you comfort. God's not watching to smack you. Right, he's not like watching like, man, I hope you mess up, I'm gonna knock you. That's what a lot of people think. When I think God is always watching over me, here's what I think. He's going, oh no, look what Pat's about to do. And he grabs me. He says, I'm not gonna let you do that. You know what we've talked about before? I don't think a guardian an angel would work well with me. I just think it would just, I need God. I need a big God to take care of this. So he says, listen man, God is always watching. That should bring us great comfort, shouldn't it? So what did we learn from from Peter? Eh, We learned that we have some responsibilities. You see, this thing called this Christian life, we're saved by grace and we're kept by grace. And we go to heaven by grace. None of these things earn us salvation. There's things that happen in our lives because we're saved. And because we're saved, just like because I'm married, I do certain things to make my marriage strong and healthy. Well, then I have to do certain things to make my Christianity strong and healthy because I want it to be. I don't want to get to heaven and just make it there. I want to like come in like "Mm," and come in like on fire and excited. I don't want to get to heaven and go, really, this is it? Like I want to get to heaven and go, yes. It's glorious. So that's what Peter's telling us here. So again, going back to last week, whether it's the government, whether it's our employers, this week, whether it's our wives, whether it's our husbands, in the church, we need to live like we're saved. And let's do that. Let's stand up and pray. Father, Father, Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the challenge you give us. And God, what a blessing it is to be able to just read some clear, definitive things about who we are in you and about life with you. And so, God, take us and mold us and shape us. Give us insight, but fill us with your spirit. As I just reflect on those things we read, all of those things will be reality in our life if we allow the Spirit to, to produce His fruit in us. So teach us to yield to you, God, in Jesus' name, amen.